Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Joshua 18, 11 to 28, anyone can make an impact anywhere, anytime. Anyone can make an impact anywhere, anytime. Now, we spent the last two weeks on the Great Commission. I want to put that up, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And I had big money prizes. First three people, it went quick. They were, people were, you know, it's like one of those rock concerts. Everybody lined up at the door. Uh, you know, last night they camped out, I think. No, but uh, I got three, three quick ones, Barbara, Barbara, and Brenda. Uh, all got their Wawa cards, all right? Wawa cards. Uh, but, and actually several others came after that. So, uh, but big money prizes for memorizing Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The very end of the age. Uh, now, we studied the Great Commission. And we just commissioned our high school graduates. We just got them ready to go off to wherever they're going, work in college. I gave them big money prizes. Uh, although when you graduate from college, you even get bigger money prizes. And if you go to work, you get a really big money prize. You get a paycheck. Uh, so our, we just gave those out. We're sending, though, the reason I'm connecting the dots here is we're sending our graduates out to make an impact for Jesus Christ. That's been the whole goal of Sunday school and parenting and, and church and all that we've done. We're sending them out to make an impact for Jesus Christ. You're going to face a lot of pressure, graduates and all of us. You're going to face a lot of pressure out there to go against God's word. But there's a lot of pressure to compromise. And I want to give you encouragement from God's word today on how to not compromise. How not to, to get, get off God's path for our life. Okay? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for... The worship, we thank you for the commissioning today. We thank you for your word now. We pray for your mercy and grace to touch our hearts. You know where each one of us, where we are in our spiritual journey. You know where each of us needs your mercy and grace. We pray for your Holy Spirit to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're in Joshua 18. We're going to finish Joshua 18. I'm committed to finishing Joshua this summer. So you, I know some of you don't believe that, but we're really going to finish this summer. All right, Joshua 18, and we're starting with verse 11. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Bear with me. The lot came up for the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan. Their allotted territory lay between the tribes of Judah and Joseph. On the north side, their boundary began at the Jordan, past the northern slope of Jericho, and headed west into the hill country, coming out at the desert of Beth-Aven. From there it crossed to the south slope of Luz, that is Bethel, and went down to Ataroth Adar on the hill south of lower Beth Haran. From the hill facing Beth Haran on the south, the boundary turned south along the western side and came out at Kiriath Baal, that is Kiriath Jerim, a town of people in Judah. This was the western side. The southern side began at the outskirts of Jerim. Kiriath Jerim on the west, and the boundary came out at the springs of the water of Nephtoah. The boundary went down to the foot of the hill facing the valley of Beth Hinnon, north of the valley of Rephim. It continued down to the Hinnon Valley along the south southern slope of the Jebusite city, and so to En Ragal. It then 
curved north, went to En Shemesh, continued to Geliath, which faces the pass of Adumim, and ran down to the stone of Bohan, son of Reuben. It continued to the northern slope of Beth Arabah, and on down to the Arabah. It then went to the northern slope of Beth Hagla, and came out at the northern bay of the Salt Sea, at the mouth of the Jordan in the south. This was the southern boundary. The Jordan formed the boundary on the eastern side. These were the boundaries that marked out the inheritance of the clans of Benjamin on all sides. The tribes of Benjamin, clan by clan, had the following cities, Jericho, Beth Hagla, Emek, Kaziz, Beth, Arabah, Zeramaim, Bethel, if I read it again, I'd pronounce them differently. Anyway, uh, Avim, Para, Oprah, Kephar, Ammoni, Afni, and Giba, 12 tra- towns and their villages, Gibeon, Ramah, Berath, Mitzpah, here we go, Kephira, Moza, Rechem, Irpil, Teralab, Zela, Aleph, this is really challenging me, uh, the Jebusite city, that is Jerusalem, got that one, Gibeah and Kiriath, 14 towns and their villages, this was the inheritance of Benjamin for its clans. Now, Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Why did you just read that? <laughs> and why is that even in the Bible? Why is that even in the Bible? Why did the Holy Spirit include those details, these lists? Why did he include it? Well, first of all, it's proof that God gave Israel to the Jewish people. It's a historical fact. There's revisionists out there, and they, they're serious. It's crazy. They claim that the Jews never owned Palestine, and, and there never was a King David, although they're finding all this archaeological evidence now. And uh, they, never, they never owned it, and they never lived in Jerusalem. And that is just ignorant bias, because it's a fact. It's a fact that, that, that God gave Israel to the Jewish people. But this is also important for us today because it's also a picture for us. This is all a picture of our spiritual life. Just as they were given a a physical land, we have been given a spiritual land. Just as they were given spiritual, uh, uh, physical promises, we have been given spiritual promises. And every promise and, and every blessing that we have can be traced back to the Old Testament. And there's a physical picture of the spiritual reality. Very, very important. This is all about our spiritual inheritance. What I just read to you, all you high school graduates out there, This is a picture of your spiritual inheritance. And get this. Why did the Holy Spirit record that? Because every inch of the land was important. Every inch of that land was important. Even though Benjamin was the youngest son, the youngest, and even though Benjamin was the smallest tribe, even though that's the case, it was still very, very important. And you may be young. You may be just a teenager. You may have just graduated from high school, but every inch, every detail of your life is important to God. Every detail, even those mundane, boring, why am I doing these things is important to God. You're not just going to some college. You're not just going to work someplace. 
God is sending you. God is sending you for an important reason to make an impact for Jesus Christ. The question is, will you take your land? Will you take every inch? That's the question for us. Will we take every inch? Will we realize that God's sending us for a purpose? One of my kids, I'm not going to say names, but one of my kids got a job about a year ago. And he was like in a transition time, and you'll probably connect some dots. But, but anyway, he gets this job, and he's like, he was so frustrated. He's like, I just want to quit. I know why I'm here. I'm just waiting to take that next step. I know where I'm supposed to be going, but I, I need this time this year, this gap year to work. And, and he's like, but I just hate being here. Why am I here? And every time I call him, I hate it. I hate it. I don't know why I'm here. And, and all of a sudden, he stopped talking like that. And now that it's time to make the move, make the next step, he's like, I was talking to him the other day, and he's like, I don't know if I can quit this job. Yeah. And I'm like, what? What's, why? Is, you can get money somewhere. No, no, it's not the money. I feel like I'm here for a reason. All these relationships and all the impact I've started to have spiritually, I can't just leave them. And I'm going to see if they'll let me work just a little bit each week. I don't know if they will, but I'm going to see if they will let me because I, I can't. Lose this ministry. God can use anyone, anywhere, at any time. And I want to give you a couple of keys for God to use you graduates. But really, this is for all of us. This is for me. This is for all of us. It applies to all of us here. In Romans 12, Romans 12 is where I'm just going to camp out a little bit here, where it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So he's saying, first of all, he's urging them based on God's mercy. And what is God's mercy? We just, he just was talking about that earlier in Romans. That God sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross in our place to pay for our sin, to break sin's stronghold and death's stronghold on us, to set us free and give us a brand new life if we will put our faith in Jesus. That's what he's referring to there. Therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy. He's saying, since I sacrificed my son for you to give you a brand new life, he, offered, he urges them to, to live their lives as living sacrifices. And then in verse 2, and this is what I really want to hit today, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what I want to focus on. Will you... Graduates, well, every one of us, no matter where we are in our life, spiritual life, will we be a conformer or a transformer? The word there for conformed in the Greek means to squeeze into a mold, to squeeze into a shape. If you've ever worked with clay or Play-Doh, we've all used Play-Doh, you, know, you have those little molds up. That's what it's talking about. Don't let it be squeezed into that mold because that's exactly what the world will try to do. The world will try to squeeze us into a mold. Uh, I like history and archaeology, as you know. And uh, King Midas, King Midas was ruled in Turkey in 738 B.C. And what is King Midas famous for? Gold, the Midas touch. You all know the story. Everything he turned touched the gold. It was a curse. He thought it was a blessing. It was a curse. You all know that story. Uh, it's probably not true. But, but he had, must have had a lot of gold around, right? But when they excavated, they found his tomb. 
They found his tomb, and there was no gold. No gold. But what they did find, that Midas had a cone head. A cone head. He had this long, weird-shaped head. He looked like an alien. You know, you see these alien, you know, they long, cone-shaped head. And uh, the reason is, is because in his time, these shaped heads were considered attractive. Especially for royalty. They were considered attractive. And so they would take the baby and they'd start to wrap the head real tight with these bandages. And as they grew, they kept doing it all toddler, terrible twos, all that. You know, it grew, and, and they would force the head into this cone shape. And, and that was considered royal. That was considered regal. That was considered beautiful to the world at that time. Everybody, ooh, look, here he comes, you know, cone shape. Now we think it's crazy. How crazy could that be? But so many of us, here Romans 12 said so many of us, same thing. We, our minds have been distorted. We're damaged, we're, we're vulnerable, and then the world comes along and, and distorts our minds. And, and we end up thinking a certain way and living a certain way that goes against what God wants for us. Because he knows it's best for us. And we think it's great, but God thinks it's distorted. You know, the world says, oh, you're cool. You, you fit in. You're great. We love the way you're thinking. We love the way you look. And, and God thinks it looks ridiculous. He says, do not be conformed. Instead, be transformed. Literally, the word in the Greek, it says, it says keep on being transformed. This is a daily, lifelong process. It's not, oh, I became a Christian. Now I can just take a vacation. No. It's a, once we put our faith in Jesus, we, give our, we say, God, I put my faith in Jesus. I ask you to forgive my sin. I put my faith in him. I give my life to Jesus. We do that. We do get transformed but but there but it's a lifelong process salvation is instant but sanctification that change is lifelong and it's a life daily lifelong process it's a daily lifelong battle it's a battle transform the word here in transform as you know the new testament was written in greek the word transformed is the same word for jesus transfiguration it's the same word Remember, Jesus was transfigured on the mount, up on the mount there, and uh, and you know he was up there and he was transformed. He turned bright, and he you know it was an amazing thing, a miracle. We can have the same thing happen to us spiritually, not physically, but spiritually. We can have the same transformation. The verb for this word comes from metamorphe. What does that sound like? Metamorphous, right? Metamorphous. And metamorphous means to be totally changed from the inside out. What is the famous metamorphous that we see all the time? Butterflies, right? We see a butterfly. It goes from being this little yucky, wormy thing to a beautiful flying creature. And that's exactly what faith in Jesus Christ can do for us. It turns us in, it, it, we, it, we become a whole new person in Jesus Christ. And we're saying, I used to crawl through that, you know? I used to eat that, and now we're a butterfly, you know? It, it's, it's a whole different thing. And the key to this transformation is the mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's the first really key here, is, is renewing our mind. How do we renew our mind? How? By God's word. By God's word. It, we're all, we all have brain damage. Every one of us. Some worse than others. Uh, you know, yeah, I, and I'm at the top of the list, right? We all have brain damage. We've been damaged by things that have happened to us, things that we've done, doors that we've opened, 
things that we've watched and read, we've been brain damaged by this world and by sin and by Satan. But Jesus came to heal us. Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to transfigure us from that, that worm into a butterfly. Jesus came to, to give us a, a radical new life. And the key, once we put our faith in Jesus, that's the first step. The, the key is renewing our mind through God's word. We take his word and it doesn't matter what we think. It's God's word. This is from Jesus. This is what I'm going to, this is his truth. And we, we take God's word and we meditate on God's word. We don't just meditate, you know, hum and all that stuff. No, you meditate on the word. We focus on his word. We let it sink deep into our heart. Then we respond to it in prayer and through worship and through fellowship. And that's, that's how we do it. We're transformed by the renewal of our minds. Instead of spending hours in front of the TV, which is not renewing your mind... They call it veg, vegging for a reason, vegetable, right? Uh, or in front with our computer or our phone or some kind of game. <laughs> we won't go into that. Anyway, uh, game, I'm not, you're gaming. Instead of that, where we're bombarded by the world's media and culture and message, the message, which is Antichrist, Instead of being bombarded with that, and then I add on top of that bombardment, we listen to worldly music, which has many ungodly messages, right, against Christ. And then we, then we have worldly friends on top of it. There's nothing wrong with having friends who aren't Christians, but if they're influencing us, I'm talking about no wonder we end up spiritual coneheads, right? No wonder. We must renew our minds, and also, I'm going to say this, we must guard our minds. Very, very important to guard your minds. Graduates, going to college, all of us, uh, going to workforce, all of us, don't, we have to guard our minds. Don't let the garbage in. Don't let it in. Romans 8, 5. In Romans 8, 5, it talks about this. It says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Whatever you set your mind on, whether it's sinful or whether it's spirit, whatever you set your mind on, that's what's going to happen. And if it's set on, just like you're watching TV, you're in the wrong channel, you shouldn't be watching it, change channels. Uh, same thing happens spiritually. Very important to change channels what we're watching what we're feeding what we're thinking about even if we're not watching so what we're thinking about it's very important to, to change it to set our mind and what the spirit wants because there is a battle for our minds we need to fight a spiritual battle every time you see something every time you hear something ask yourself is this squeezing me Am I being conformed? Is this squeezing me? Remember, don't squeeze the Charmin. Say, don't squeeze the Christian, right? Every time, every time you, 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 you hear that. Now, and if it is yes, cut it out of your life. Cut it out of your life. Don't feed the mind what will poison it. The mind is very important. Don't feed what will poison it. If it's a computer that's poisoning it, do whatever you have to do. There's covenant eyes. You know, all of our computers in our house have covenant eyes. Everything we look at, we all know whatever it looks at. Because, because it, that is a safeguard. You can get covenant eyes or something like that. Um, whether it's the phone or the TV, maybe you have to put blocks on your TV or on, on your phone. Put blocks so you can, can't look at whatever is poisoning your mind. Don't let yourself be poisoned. Don't let, your, don't let yourself be brainwashed by the world. Very, very important. Don't let yourself be brainwashed. Whenever you're hit, whenever you're hit with something, 
Go back to God's word in order to transform. Very, very important. Find a verse that speaks to that, whatever you're being tempted by, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're vulnerable with, whatever you're being bombarded with, whatever deception or lie that you're hearing. Go to God's word and use that to speak truth against the deception. Very, very important. Now, there's also healing. A lot of times we have to go get some good Christian counseling and get our healing. That's important. But but it's also very important that we speak truth to the deception. I, I think of sexual sin. And, and this is something we're all facing constantly, we're, especially in our society now. This thought that anything goes and all is okay if you, you, you love someone. And if it makes you happy, it's okay. You've got to just be happy, whatever it takes. doesn't matter what you do. Well, and we, I've talked about this many times. There's a reason why God teaches sexual purity, why he teaches that in his word. Because he wants you to experience the ultimate sexual fulfillment in a true marriage. That's what he wants for every one of us. And, and it was created for a husband and wife to, to be bound together and become one flesh. Very, very important. That's the picture. In fact, it's the same picture of Jesus you know, with the church. Same picture. And, and, but the thing is, there's a lie out there that you, you can have sex whenever, wherever, with whoever, whatever you want to. And that is a lie. It will end up destroying. Remember what I always say about sin? Sin promises thrills, never fulfills always kills. That's what sin ultimately does. Promises, thrills, never fulfills, ultimately kills. First, and we have a verse, and this is really kind of our church verse because it's such a powerful verse, uh, a great one to use as you battle the, the sexual temptations and battle, look, find your healing. And 1 Corinthians 6, 9, oh, here we are, verse 9. Okay, here we go. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That covers us all, doesn't it? <laughs> nothing, nothing, none of us are left out on that list, are we? It covers us all. It covers it all. But it can be what we were, and so, all, so many of us already, it's what we were. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's what we were. And the healing starts, the, the, the justification happens, the sanctification is in process, and that's what we were. That's what we were. It's not what I was. I couldn't name, I could check off a lot of those things. It's not what I am, it's what I was. But now I'm in Christ. Very, very important to use God's word. Another lie. All roads lead to God. It doesn't matter what you do. You can pray to a rock. You can pray to this. You can pray to that. You're all, they all lead to God. And that, that is a lie. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is one way. It's through Jesus. The rest are lies. Well, another one you're going to hear in school all the time. We all came from monkeys. We didn't come from God, we came from monkeys. You're going to be taught that, even though, it's, even though many, many scientists have totally discredited it now, but there's, most of the colleges are still hanging on to the old junk. And Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There's a lot packed into that, isn't there? There's a lot packed into that one. 
world's philosophies, the, the, the new age thinking, which are just old lies repackaged, and all the philosophies that you hear, and this is going to cover them all, Colossians 2.8, and this is a great one for college to memorize, guys. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Don't be taken captive. Renew your minds. Guard your minds, and then there's one more thing I want to say about this, and that is make up your minds. Make up your minds, and that's for all of us. Before you go to college, before you go out in the workforce, before you face that peer pressure, before you turn on that computer or turn on the TV set, right? Make up your mind. Make up our minds to follow Jesus Christ, to take a clear, uh, to, to, to make up our mind, uh, to follow Jesus Christ. God will give all the grace in the world. Understand something. God will give all the grace in the world. His mercy and grace is there for anything, for anyone, at any time. He will give all the grace. The only thing he will not do for us is make up our mind. He won't make that decision. We have to decide. Am I going to surrender to God's grace and mercy? Or I'm going to do it my way. He, that's the one thing. He won't make up our minds. We have to make up our minds to follow Jesus Christ and to take a clear, consistent stand. And never more than when you're getting ready to go into college. Uh, I know when I went into college, the big challenge at that time was, was alcohol. It's still pretty big now, but there's a lot of other things added on top of it, right? But it was alcohol. And I remember I made up my mind before I went. I said, I'm not going to drink alcohol in college. First of all, my dad really encouraged us, strongly encouraged us not to drink alcohol. You're going to college, don't drink it, it, nothing good can come of it. You, we saw a lot of damage in our family through alcoholism and all this stuff. Uh, and, and so that was one big thing, my dad's influence. Another thing was it was against law. <laughs> Still is. We are 18, got to be 21, so you're breaking the law. And so I'm like, I'm not going to break the law. That's another thing. And it was also against the rules at our school, uh, which it is in almost every school, right? But this was a Christianish school. I can't quite call it a Christian college, but it was Christianish, and they had rules saying you shouldn't, you can't drink at the college. Uh, so, but even though I went to this Christian college, uh, I I didn't know anyone else who took the same stand. Now I'm sure there probably was some other people at the school who didn't drink and get drunk, but I I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody. Uh, I literally didn't know anybody. I was sober alone. But I never really felt pressured. Never felt pressured. You know why? Because I just took a stand from day one. And I never compromised it. And no one bothered me. You know, I mean, when they're really drunk, they did. They, oh, <laughs> you know, they, you know it was, I could tell you stories. But, but they, they, but they didn't. They didn't really pressure me. In fact, I found out later that they really respected me. I remember one of my good friends came, and they were all drinkers and drunk, drunk, drunkers. And uh, they, one guy came to me, I'll never forget my junior. He said, you know what? I just want to tell you, I really respect you for not drinking. You're the only one I know in our dorm who doesn't drink and, and, and i.e. get drunk. And uh, we really, now I mean, we all, the whole gang of us, we really respect the stand that you've taken. They respected it. I never felt that pressure because I, I, I made up my mind and I took that stand. Now, I'm not saying I was perfect. 
I'm not saying that. I'm not up here saying I, I still found lots of ways to get into trouble and, and lots of other things I didn't obey God on or obey my dad's advice. Uh, lots of things. But I'll give you a little picture of what was I was in college. Uh, <laughs> a couple of little stories so you understand. I wasn't perfect. I understand struggles and understand. Uh, I remember one time we, we had these dorm rivalries and this other dorm they had some chemistry guys who made a stink bomb out of, in the chemistry department. They came and blew it up in our dorm. In our dorm, oh, it smelled terrible. Our dorm just smelled so bad. We, you know, and we, it was just there, you know, for days and days. It stunk really bad. So we decided we were going to try to get revenge on them. And one of my friends who at the school, his name was Bill. I won't say his last name, but Bill said, "I got an idea." I'm going to get some cow manure. Do you think that'll work? And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I'm like, you don't want to bring cow manure onto the campus. He goes, no, how are we going to do it? I go, trust me, it's bad. He goes, I'm going to do it. He goes to the local farmer, and he asks for manure. And the farmer goes, what do you want it for? He goes, it's a science experiment. He goes, okay, take all you want. You know? So uh, he, he got her home. It's in the trunk of his car. You, don't ask, don't ask. But anyway, uh, he, he brings it here, and, and he, he gets our whole gang of dorm guys together. And we are here we are at 2 in the morning one, one night, early morning, and, and they have this big vat. And, and it's full of cow manure, and it's dark, and we're all dressed like we're in Mission Impossible. We have all the dark clothing on, you know, and, and we're going to teach those guys a lesson, those, those chemistry geeks a lesson. We're going to show them something real, right? And so we had a hose in there, and we're mixing, they're mixing it. And they all thought it was fun. I go by the farm, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm just there, you know? And uh, so then we all start filling up buckets, and, and we take it, and we go sneaking. It was like 2, 3 o'clock. By the time we get to their dorm, we go sneaking in. We had lookouts. We had everything. And we're going in. We're going up and down the... Now, we, were, we know we're not to destroy property, because we don't want to get expelled. But, uh, but we, we, what we did is we went up and down the stairwells, which were like... Um, there was no carpeting, you know, it was just stairwells, and we just kind of went up and down the stairwells, pouring it up and down the stairs, and into heating units, you know, and, and everything, and, and uh, we, and, and, well, anyway, I won't go into the whole story, but we, we, we really messed it up, and so we all go back, and uh, we're watching the next morning, and it was hilarious, these people were trying to get out of their dorms, and they couldn't use the stairwells. They were, you know, the hand railing? They were walking down the hand rails, you know, trying to get out. And, oh, it was, it was a horrible smell for... And then we saw the RD, who I knew, a friend of mine. Anyway, uh, he was there with all of his guys trying to clean. It was horrible. Uh, then another thing that happened, um, and I'm saying that imagine the trouble I would have gotten if I, well, I was drunk, right? Uh, so then another time was the Secret Service thing. Uh, we were in uh, President Ford, who was um, no longer the president. He had retired, whatever you call it. He, he was coming to Grand Rapids there. And they were going to have a big celebration. They had it as this big hotel. They were naming some building after him. I don't even remember the name of the building anymore. They're going to have these big fireworks. And, they, and he was at this big hotel. And it was real fancy, big thing. And, and all everybody came to Grand Rapids. We're all there to watch the fireworks. But we were there. And, and Bill uh, said, this is why it's important. You've got to be careful who you're friends with. Uh, uh, I'm still friends with Bill. I haven't visited him since he's been in prison. But uh, No, I'm kidding. He's not in prison. But, uh, <laughs> He should be. But anyway, uh, Bill said, let's go, the, let's go watch the fireworks from the top of the hotel. Wouldn't it be cool to see him on top of this hotel and where the president was in? The president Ford was in there. And we're like, 
yeah, it'd be great, but how are we going to get up there? He goes, follow me. And so he started, he started we followed, but he's trying to find a way in. We could not find a way in. And finally, we, we, every, we tried going through the restaurant, through the back door, and they kept catching us, sending us out. We're in jeans and T-shirts. Everybody else is dressed up fancy. And finally, we see this entrance door open, and they were bringing delivery trucks in this back entrance around the back of the hotel, massive hotel. And we start walking in, and we heard someone shout, and we like, went running out and hit around the corner where we could see. And it was a Secret Service guy. They were everywhere, the Secret Service guy. They were everywhere. And he come, he's looking around, looking around, and he's on his intercom, and he pulls the door down, and he left it about this high. And, and he's go, he went running off down the street looking for us. As soon as he went, we went right under that door. We just like, crawled under the door. We got under that. We went up. We found the back door. We start going up, and we start going floor by floor. It was like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. This place was amazing. You couldn't believe, I never saw food like this before. We got shrimp in one hand, you know, all kinds of hors d'oeuvres and drinks, and we're just eating it. And people are looking at us like, are the help allowed to eat the food? You know, because we're all, you know, they're all in tuxes and beautiful dresses, and we're in jeans and t-shirts. And they're like, oh, didn't know the help was allowed to eat like this, but we're just eating shrimp and going floor by floor. And we finally get to the top floor. Top floor. It took us a while. It took a lot of sneaking. There were a lot of security people there. We finally get to the top floor, and we found the door that went to the roof. And we're like, we're going to get to watch the fight. We didn't see President Ford. I don't know where he was. We were looking. But anyway, uh, we, we got to the top floor, and we were just reaching the door handle. We heard, stop right there. Secret service. All right? Those movies are true. The movies are true. All right? And he, he comes up and a couple guys are flocking out. They got intercoms. They got their hands like this, you know, the whole thing. And he's like, where are you guys going? I said, down. He goes, that's right. And he's like, really? He he's, marches us over the elevator, opens it up. There's this girl in there who's, you know, doing the elevator. She's an attendant. And he says, take them down and make sure they go out. He was really not happy. Anyway, uh, so we, we, the door shuts, and the girl was real serious. And as soon as the door shuts, she starts laughing. She goes, how did you guys get up here looking like this? You know, she couldn't believe it, you know. And she was like, yeah, can you stop the next floor down and let us off? we got to get up there. She goes, she, <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, all right. Good thing I didn't drink, right? So, uh, so then, then she's like, that's not a good idea. These guys are really rough. If you had managed to get on the roof, it wouldn't have been pretty. You know, they're really mean. You know, you better get out of here now. So we, we got out. But uh, imagine, I wasn't just sitting around studying, obviously. Uh, but, but, but imagine if I had been drinking, right? What the trouble I could have got in. There's a couple others, but I'm not going to tell the stories. But anyway, uh, make up your mind before you go. Make up your mind before you go. Make up your minds. Guard your minds. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Will we be conformers or transformers? Graduates, but all of us, no matter what time of life we're in, God has called us to be transformers. No matter who we are, where we are, he's called us to be transformers. There's a new Transformer movie coming out. You see it, Bumblebee? <laughs> I love that. I had a little yellow super beetle myself. But anyway, that's a whole other story. But anyway, the, the Bumblebee, the, the, the thing about Transformers is it's a simple little object that it becomes this amazing weaponized creature, right? Isn't that why everybody loves the Transformer movies and kids love Transformers? And I used to like to play with them with with the kids when they first came out. This simple object becomes this amazing, powerful being. And that's what each one of us, that's what he's talking about, being transformed. Each one of us, 
with Jesus Christ's power can become that person. Have you ever become that person? Have you ever taken the first step by putting your faith in Jesus Christ? 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin on that cross in my place, I put my faith in him. I give my life to him. The moment you do that, you become a brand new creation. You become someone with the the ability to be a transformer. You become this beautiful butterfly. The moment, have you ever become a brand new creation in Jesus Christ? Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never become a new person in Christ. But you can have that today. You can have a new life right now. You can have a transformation this very second. No matter what you walked into this church like, no matter what you carried in here, no matter what hurts and damage and vulnerabilities and sin that we carried in, you can leave a brand new creation by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't take a religious ritual. There's nothing you have to pass or do. It's a simple surrender of your life. And you can do it right now. A simple prayer. God, please forgive me. Anything in my life that I've done or am doing that goes against what you want for me, that goes against your word, I turn away from that. I repent of that. I ask you to forgive me. I'm putting my faith in Jesus, your son, who died for me, who came back to life for me, I'm putting my faith in him. I give my life to Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer, you have just become a brand new creation, a brand new person. You've been set free from a cocoon to fly and to live a whole new life in Jesus Christ. Your life will never be the same. 
You can now come and talk to God at any time about anything, anywhere. And if you have taken that step of faith, I want to encourage you to tell someone so that we can be excited for you or, or, and encourage you. Let someone know. Maybe you have a friend or family member here. Maybe you tell me on the way out or felt the card in the bulletin stick in the box or text me, email me, call. Let, let somebody know. Because we're going to be so excited for you and help you in your new life in Christ. For the, the rest of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is God speaking to us? Maybe we are being convicted about conforming in some area of our life. And God is calling us today to be transformed. Maybe there's an area of our life that we need to renew our mind. Maybe there's an area that we need to guard our mind. Maybe there's something God is convicting us about making up our mind. How is God speaking to us? How will we respond to this lifelong, daily battle, spiritual battle, becoming like Jesus, living the life God has called us to live, the life he created us to live, the purpose that he has for us? Father, we pray... I pray that each person here, every one of us would reach our spiritual potential, would achieve your purpose for our life. I pray that every one of us would be transformed, living like Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name.